Bay Area native Rawson Thurber grew up wanting to play for the San Francisco Giants and 49ers. He played football at Union College, but Rawson's path to professional sports never came to fruition. Instead, Rawson took a position assisting A-list screenwriter John August on the short-lived WB series DC. During his tenure as John's assistant, Rawson wrote the script that ultimately became the blockbuster comedy hit Dodgeball, a film that he also directed, starring Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn. He followed up Dodgeball with an adaptation of Michael Chabon's novel The Mysteries of Pittsburgh, which was nominated for the Grand Jury Prize at the 2008 Sundance Film Festival. Rawson's latest film, We're the Millers, stars Jennifer Aniston, Emma Roberts, and Jason Sudeikis, scheduled for release in 2013. We talked to Rawson about what being a writer's assistant is like, adapting novels to screenplays, the challenges of developing established properties, and much more on the Scripts and Scribes podcast right now. Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga, and today we're speaking with screenwriter and filmmaker, Rawson Marshall Thurber. Thanks for joining us today, Rawson. You're welcome, Kevin. Thank you. Now, uh, uh, October was a very good month for you. Your beloved Giants uh, swept the Tigers in the World Series. You wrapped your latest film, We're the Millers. Um, congratulations, by the way. Uh, thank you on both. I really feel a lot more pride in the Giants victory than, uh, than wrapping Millers. <laughs> uh, that's uh, a true Giants fan. <laughs> Um, now, We're the Millers is it's, it's a comedy. It's about uh, a, a pot dealer who creates uh, sort of a fake family mm-hmm. as part of his plan to move uh, weed, pot, into the U.S. from Mexico. Uh, that's right. Jason Sudeikis plays a uh, small-time pot dealer who uh, gets in over his head, and in order to get out from under uh, the big boss, he's got to smuggle two metric tons of marijuana um, from Mexico across the border back into Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to do that, he hires a local stripper played by Jennifer Aniston, uh, a homeless girl played by Emma Roberts, and this uh, nerd from his apartment building uh, played by Will Poulter uh, to pretend to be his family. They rent an RV and they call themselves the Millers. <laughs> and they drive down, pick it up, and hijinks and hilarity ensue. Now, what drew you to this material? Because it's 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 a piece of material that you actually didn't write. It's unlike uh, other, the stuff you've done. That's correct. Um, it, it was actually a really interesting experience working on a picture that I didn't um, come up with, that I didn't write from the beginning. Uh, We're the Millers has been around for for ten years, um, uh, quite literally. I mean, I think it was I think it was around before talkies, like you know, <laughs> very very long time. Right. Um, always a really great concept, uh, a great premise uh, for a funny movie, and uh, I think the script never quite got there. Uh, until these two really talented writers, Sean Andrews and John Morris, came along and they wrote um, a draft of it that really kind of gave the picture a, an attitude and a voice. And uh, I had read it, you know, I think three times before I read their draft. And every time it was like, well, close, but no cigar. And uh, and and their draft uh, made me sit up in my chair and I said, let's do it. And uh, a new line was very kind, uh, kind enough to hire me on. And, and uh, I rewrote Sean and John. Um, a little bit, and we went and uh, made the movie. Very cool. Um, now, again, being one of the few things that you directed but you didn't actually write, at least not the mm-hmm. uh, initial draft, how do you work with writers as a director? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, this is the first time that I'd had writers come on and kind of do work for me while I was in production. Um, and it was kind of... Uh, I don't know, luxurious, really. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm so used to having to direct and then, you know, at night when everybody else is sleeping, you know, write, 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 or rewrite, 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 and then come back in the next day. 
so it was very um it was kind of wonderful to to have smart funny guys helping you figure out the uh the issues or question marks or, or challenges of, a, of of the screenplay, but you know, from a directing standpoint, <clears throat> it was also an interesting challenge in that I don't have, I didn't have then and don't have now, any sort of um, personal stake in the story. What I mean to say is that I don't have any darlings, I don't have any babies, I don't have anything that I you know thought mm-hmm. up myself and thought this is oh we have to do this and this is the whole reason for the story to exist. Um, you know it was much more. Uh, of a um, kind of calculated approach. Sure. Uh, you know, do we need this? Don't we need this? There was not a lot of, um, there wasn't then and isn't now a lot of um, uh, personal skin in the story, as it were. So uh, that's been really kind of freeing in a, in a fun and fantastic way. And I'm, I'm very happy with the results so far. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of writers do get attached to specific scenes or specific mm-hmm. things and elements that may not necessarily sure. propel your story forward or be that important, but they, for whatever reason, become attached to it. So, yeah, know. I mean, I think that's the nature of the beast. I think if right. you don't, if you're writing something and you don't have those things, then I would be worried. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, then then I think you're really just creating a widget. Um, you know, right. or writing something else to sell, and and there's no part of you in it. Um, and from a writing perspective, I think that's a, I, I think that's a, a, a mistake. Right. Um, now, before you made your brilliant first film, uh, masterpiece, if you will, can I call Dodgeball a masterpiece? Uh, <laughs> you, you can. Uh, I certainly will not. But uh, that's very kind of you. Right. Very kind of you, Kevin. Well, before you made the masterpiece that is Dodgeball, mm. uh, you were a writer's assistant, actually, to John August. That's right. Uh, now, I know, uh, I'm sure most of our listeners know John August's website and podcasts mm-hmm. are a tremendous mm-hmm. resource for screenwriters. So if anyone has checked out... might be the best resource for Absolutely. screenwriting and screenwriters going. Absolutely. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. So if you haven't checked out johnaugust.com and listened to the Script Notes podcast with him and yes. Greg Mazin, you definitely should. Run, don't walk. Right. And But your name is brought up on a frequent basis, which is kind of funny. Uh, is it? Yeah, all, you know, I, I I listened to like the first like dozen or so, or, you know, and and uh, and then I just I got I got behind in my podcast listening, and I don't like listening to things out of order. I don't know if you ever have that, and so they've all built up on my iPhone, and I, and I went and made a movie, and I didn't get to listen. I, I think this. But was, I hope they're I, saying nice things. I have no idea. Yeah, no, no, they're very complimentary of you, and and even even just this last podcast they did they did they brought you up again. Um, what did they say? Did they say that Ross and Thurber? He's the nicest guy. Um, they didn't say that, but uh, they, they, I think they did say you were a nice guy. Craig did anyway. Uh, I think they, from what I remember, they, uh, they said uh, they were talking about uh, we're the Millers. Um, oh. And, 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 you know, they mentioned uh, one time I, uh, they mentioned you and uh, they said you had written a first draft of something and it was 170 pages or something you called. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 100 percent true uh, that, you know, early, certainly earlier in my in my screenwriting career, my first drafts would be embarrassingly long, epic in, in a very bad way. <laughs> um, and, you know, so much so we're like. I wrote a draft of a script that I will not say that like at one point it crossed from 199 pages to 200 pages. Wow. And like, I didn't even know final draft went to 200 pages. Like I thought like once it went, once it rolled over from 199 to 200, just like a window would pop up with a psychiatrist number <laughs> and a little, <laughs> a little please call. Um, but, but you know, my, the process is the process. I've since gotten um, much more efficient in my first draft and in right. my plotting and planning. But I think, um, you know, believe me, I've gone to plenty of uh, 
seminars, uh, well, not really seminars, but talks about screenwriting. Sure. And and I think what what I've realized um, is that skill is whatever works, whatever works Absolutely. for you. So if you're the kind of person that likes to outline for six months and have incredibly detailed outline, and then you write the screenplay, that's your method of discovery. And mm-hmm. if you're the kind of person who likes to write a 200-page first draft to get it all out, and that takes you six months, um, then that's your process. And, and you know, it's, you can get upset about it. You can say, this is so inefficient. It should just be the other way. I should just write, you know, I should sort of sit down at the, at the keyboard and crack my knuckles and type out 105 pages of a perfectly um, fashioned screenplay. You're right. kidding yourself. You know, it just, it is whatever, whatever path gets you there is what gets you there, right. um, I think. Yeah, and well, um, you know who and, writes really long scripts? Who? Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I mean, so well, I think I think he's he's, he's allowed to write however long he wants. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. He's brilliant. Yeah, uh, but I mean, again, with with Kill Bill, it was this long, you know, two hundred page script almost <laughs> that got right. broken into two movies because it was so long. And yeah, well, I mean, if you're Quentin Tarantino, you can write whatever you want. Um, when you're Ross and Thurber, you you certainly cannot. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's a good lesson to a good lesson to learn, and I and I think. Uh, yeah, but I think I think your point remains, Kevin. That you know, I think Aaron Sorkin also writes incredibly long drafts. I remember reading about when he was writing American President that he got to page eighty-five and realized he hadn't introduced Annette Bening, the love interest, yet. Right. And he was like, "Oh shit." Um, so you know, I think it is. I think people. I, I'd, I'd like to think that writers would be um, forgiving uh, with themselves and to right. themselves about yeah. about the process, and and not not. Not try to, not try to stick the landing on the first vault. Right, right. Well, I mean, I would never uh, recommend that writers write 170-page screenplays nor, after the. Nor first, would I. But, but uh, at least you're in good company. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Me, Aaron Sorkin, Quentin Tarantino, and everybody at Starbucks. <laughs> um, now, with with your first film, Dodgeball, you wrote uh-huh. it with. It, you wrote it with Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, and Justin Long, and uh, Christine Taylor in mind. Like, you had them in your head, which help, I'm sure helped with voices. I know a lot of writers mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it, first off, it's amazing that you were able to get the cast you had in mind, because I know that so infrequently happens. Yeah. Um, but I also know that uh, a lot of times when you're dealing with very talented comedic actors, uh, they improv a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and so as a director, how much freedom did you give your cast in terms of script and dialogue and, and what did you keep, what did you do to sort of keep the film from going off track? Uh, well, that's a, a great question. And I think that, you know, when you're dealing with super talented, um, comedic actors, I think it would be irresponsible as a director to not let them play and let them add and let them change. Um, I think, you know, as anybody who does, um, this improv will tell you, you know, most of it doesn't work. Um, you know, it can be fun or funny on set, but when you get into the editing room and you're putting it together, um, most of the time it, it falls on the floor because it doesn't serve story. And it's funny, but it's off book, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're cutting a movie, mostly what you're trying to do is stay ahead of the audience. Uh, because once the audience is ahead of you, they're bored and they don't like you. So you have to keep you have to stay one step ahead of them and keep them laughing at the same time. So most of the improv that you, ends up making it into movies um, it, are one-liners or beats, little jokes that get a, get a good laugh. But mm-hmm. in terms of sort of improving whole monologues or dialogue, um, etc., 
uh, it's it's pretty rare that that it makes it in. Um, I think typically the written word uh, that's been crafted is more effective in telling a story than from the improv side. Sure. But um, that you know what's so great about comedic actors um, or actors in general is is what they bring to uh, a character, what they bring to um, the, the story itself. I mean, I've worked with actors where I've written you know. A, a three a three inch <laughs> long uh, monologue, right. uh, and and all they need is is really a look, um, and that's and that's the magic of of great acting, you know, right. is it plays on the face and the audience gets it, and you and, and so you don't need to say all that stuff. Uh, but but just circling back to the the initial sort of question, I let uh, you know I may, I would always make sure that we got what was on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and made sure that we had that how we how we how we needed it, and then it was whatever came up after that. If there was something else they wanted to try, or you know maybe make it a little more this or a little less that. And when you're dealing with somebody like Ben Stiller or Vince Vaughn or Sudeikis or Aniston or you know any of them for that matter, I mean they're so so good. Mm. Um, it, it's really fun to to watch, and and I get greedy. So I, <laughs> I go, yeah, let's try it again. Let's try it again. Okay, right, yeah, right. do more like that. And you know, it's it's something that I marvel at because it's something that I certainly could never ever do, um, and and most actors can't. So, you know, the the old saying of uh, directing is ninety percent casting is oh. um, is pretty true. Right, right. Um, now you also wrote and directed uh, the Mysteries of Pittsburgh, which mm-hmm. was based on the novel by Michael Chabon. Mm-hmm. Now, how is that process different for you, writing an adaptation of a best-selling and critically acclaimed novel versus sort of developing original material like Dodgeball? Well, I think, you know, it was it was really challenging in, in a completely different way. I mean, not mm-hmm. only was it um, a genre departure for me, um, but I loved the, the book so much, and I was um, changing it so much. Uh, certainly with Michael's blessing, um, when I first sat down with him and said, look, I love your book, you know, here's my plan for how to destroy it. Um, he said, he said, yeah, yeah, I like it. Let's try it. Let's try it. Uh, so I would never have you know, made the, made the changes that I made, um, had I not sort of gotten the seal of the crown on it. Uh, but it was challenging. It was really hard, um, to kind of be in that world for that long. Um, you know, and the, and the film I worked incredibly hard on, we got great performances from our actors. Uh, certainly, um, it, you know, it didn't sort of receive, uh, the reception I was hoping it uh, it might, and so that was very hard for me. Uh, mm. I, I poured you know everything I had into it, um, yeah. every every ounce of myself. I think I worked harder on that movie than I had worked on anything else in my life, um, and to and to have it not succeed in the way that I wanted it to succeed, um, you know, it's pretty pretty close to to devastating for me. Um, right. And then you know you sort of pick yourself up off the mat and dust yourself off and and say all right, let's uh, you know. Let's keep going. Um, but in terms of the adaptation process, I had a pretty good idea going in of what I wanted to change and what I wanted to have happen. And, um, you know, it's it's like anything. It's it's unglamorous, you know, slog work. You're at, you know, your keyboard. You're thinking about it all the time. You're writing pages. You write pages that aren't going to make it in. You torture your friends with bad drafts. You, you know, you're in the shower and, it's, and thinking about it. You're walking your dog, thinking about it. You're at at dinner with your you know beautiful girlfriend um, and you're not listening because you're thinking about a problem right. in the second act. Right. And, you know, it's like any any writer anywhere. You know, it just sort of uh, takes over your brain um, in a good way. And and you, you know you wouldn't want it any other way if if, uh, if you're serious about what you're doing. Right. Right. 
Now, you've been attached to a number of established properties like Magnum mm -hmm. PI and ElfQuest mm -hmm. and things that have yet to be made. Yes. Now, yes. obviously the properties have, properties have name recognition and strong source material to draw from. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you find are sort of specific challenges that a writer faces when you're developing a project from well-known material? Oh wow, that's a that's a that's a great question. I think that the key, well, Magnum PI. Just speaking on that. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think it actually works for also for ElfQuest. Um, in you you want to do you want to do right by the source material. Uh, you want to make sure that the fans get the movie that they've always wanted to have. But at the same time, you can't make it just for the fans and fanboys. You can't. It can't be an inside baseball movie. Uh, so to speak. So it needs to function on its own. It, it needs to be a story and a script that works. If you've never seen an episode of Magnum PI, if you've never read a stitch of ElfQuest, um, and if you haven't seen Magnum PI or read ElfQuest, then you're missing out, so you should. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it has to work both ways, um, and that's the real trick. It has to, it has to deliver the goods to the, the, the core fan base, right? And that's about detail, in my estimation. Not only is it about the tone and, and, and paying homage to um, the, the idea and the, and the tenor of the underlying material, but also getting the details right, getting the small moments right, getting the fan favorites, the sneaky fan favorites that if you aren't a fan of the material going in, you wouldn't really know about. For, for instance, in Magnum PI, it's making sure that Higgins is right and the Higgins-Magnum relationship is right, mm -hmm. making sure Apollo and Zeus, the Dobermans, are in it, making sure the ring with the cross of Lorraine is used, uh, you know, making sure the dynamic between TC and Rick and Magnum all work. You know, make sure that you make got to make sure uh, TC calls Higgins Higgy Baby, right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You got to make sure that Magnum wears a Detroit Tigers cap and and drinks Dusseldorf beer. You, I mean, you have to make sure you get the details to it right. Not only this this specific kind of uh, accoutrement, but also the the interplay between the characters because that's what people love, mm -hmm. and and rightly so. Same deal with with ElfQuest. There are there are plenty of incredible moments throughout the story that um, are just uh, landmarks um for for fans and so you can't miss those right um but you also can't stop your narrative to pat yourself on the back about how you, you put you put you you know hey don't forget we did this thing that everybody likes and i think that when you look at certain adaptations of of you know well-loved properties a lot of times they're too slavish to the source material um and they get they they make a a perfectly rendered filmed copy of the source material but that isn't usually a good thing that the way the way you enjoy a comic book or a novel or even a television show mm -hmm. is very different than the way in which one enjoys a movie right uh, they're not the same media they're not the same medium and and you need to know that you need to to pay attention to that um so they're not the same thing and you shouldn't try to Make them the same thing. I would I would put up J.J. Um, Abrams for Star Trek as a fantastic example right. of of um, of the way to do it. That he gave the Trekkies, and you're not going to find more more rabid fans than Trekkies. Mm -hmm. You know exactly what they want. You have Kirk screwing a green chick like, right. right at the top. Like that's not by accident. You know. Right. Um, uh, you know you have the Kobayashi Maru, uh, of course. Um, et cetera, et cetera. You have all of the all of the touchstones that matter to people, and all of the winks that matter to, to fans. Right. But you tell a great story that nobody you don't have to know anything about Star Trek right. to love that movie. 
Um, and of course, there are plenty of examples uh, the other way. Right. Absolutely. Now, we've got a couple of listener questions. Sure. Um, the first one is, uh, how much do you stick to screenwriting format when writing your scripts? Or since you can't, you direct, can you do shorthand? Oh, uh, yeah. Very good question. I, I can't, do not use shorthand. I write uh, in very clear screenwriting format. Um, I don't, I don't kind of um, gloss over anything or say, you know, trust me, this is going to be cool. I, I almost <laughs> never, I almost never break the the uh, the fourth wall in screenwriting and talk to the to the reader. Right. Almost never. Um, I think I've done it three times in a dozen screenplays that I've been paid to write, and that's only when there's a point of clarification that is so key that you need to that you, that you can't do in another way. Right. Um, so, so no, I, I write I write screenplays in, in in the way that that I learned mostly from John August and a, and a teacher named Bobette Buster at USC. Hmm. Um, but I, the the actual screenplay itself is a it's a couple things. But one is it's it's a document that needs, that's written to be read and to be read like a story. So I try to write my screenplays in a way that's pleasurable to read. Um, so that the slug lines disappear and and the you know <clears throat> dialogue blocks disappear and that you're just watching the movie. Um, so I don't talk about camera angles or um, <clears throat> you know I don't I don't I don't say BG instead of background. I almost right. never say background. I don't talk about the frame um, at all. I, I I write a story. Um, and of course you know screenplays are. In, in one sense, you know what's so interesting about the medium is that, you know, they're not. They exist to become something else. When you write a poem, and you're finished with the poem, it's done. When you write a novel, it's done. A screenplay, its only purpose is to become something else. It's it's in some sense a business proposal, um, and so you have to be aware of that. So you would never um, give short shrift to a business proposal. You're you're not going to be there. When someone's reading it, to tell them, oh no, 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 but this is going to be like <laughs> right. that. So don't worry. Looking it over their shoulder. To, that's right. It has to. That's right, Kevin. It has to stand <laughs> on its own. It has to grab them by the lapels on page one, and not let go until page, my case, two hundred one. Right. Um, uh, the next one is uh, when will you make Dodgeball two? <laughs> uh, the answer is I have no idea. Uh, I you know, uh, I talked to uh, to. Ben's company, Stuart Kornfeld, uh, Ben's uh, producing partner, about that. Um, gosh, I don't know, earlier earlier this year, um, and we sort of kicked around a couple ideas, but I have no idea if we're actually going to do it. I, I I feel like I've said almost everything that needs to be said about basketball <laughs> in my first picture, <laughs> uh, but never say never, never say never. Yeah. Um, okay. Rapid fire question. Sure. Uh, just six quick uh, either or questions. The first one: okay. monkeys, ninja, or pirates? Ninja. Um, better coach, Bill Wal Bill Walsh or Bruce Bochy? Oh fuck you! <laughs> uh, 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 Bill Walsh. Okay, who would win in a game of dodgeball? You, Joe Montana, or say hey Willie Mays, and why? Uh, Joe Montana, because he's just a winner. Can't beat him. Fair enough. Um, more interesting city. Uh, Rawson, Ohio, the birthplace of mathematician Cassius Jackson Kaiser. Population 465 or Thurber, Texas, a coal mining ghost town. Population 8. Oh, man. Thurber, Texas, coal mining ghost town. There you go. Every day and twice on Sunday. Um, more mysterious. The Winchester Mystery House in San Jose. 
the mystery spot in Santa Cruz or Pittsburgh? Mystery spot in Santa Cruz. <laughs> Very cool. And uh, who would win in a fight? Nine tigers or one panda? <laughs> Very clearly one panda. Very obviously. Obviously. Uh, it, it happened. We witnessed it. <laughs> we saw it happen. Uh, well, that's all the time we have for now. I know you've got to uh, run because yep. you've got uh, uh, you're in post. Um, thanks, for, thanks for joining me today, Rawson. Uh, you can follow Rawson on Twitter at Rawson Thurber. Um, and please visit our website at scriptsandscribes.com for more information on all of our guests, archived podcasts, and lots of other great written interviews and information on writing. And if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at scriptsandscribes.com or send us a tweet to at scriptsandscribes. No and in the middle there, just at scriptsandscribes. Thanks for listening.